Hey, yo. Welcome in to the CHGO White Sox podcast live from Nashville and the MLB winter meetings. I am Kevin Kadick, head of content at CHGO and filling in for the great Sean Anderson. To my right is White Sox community leader Herb Lawrence. And to my left is CHGO White Sox beat writer Vinny Duber. This is opposite from the show we did yesterday. We've changed things up because something has to change because otherwise everything is pretty much still the same here. Yeah, not a, a lot to report from Nashville. That's, that's not, just what the White Sox. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not just us. That is baseball at large. Obviously, there's some uh, drips and drabs of what's going on with the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. But boy, is it slow going here for baseball uh, at this year's winter meetings. There's still things to report. We're still going to bring you through uh, what Vinny was be able to Vinny reported what what Herb was able to observe here, what I was able to observe. So we're going to go through those things. Uh, there's talk about Eric Fetty coming back from Korea and potentially pitching for the White Sox. Uh, Vinny wrote a great article about the catching situation. So we're going to dive into those things. We're also just going to talk about assistant GM Josh Barfield and what he had to say about the Dylan C situation. First off, though, our icebreaker last night, we went out and had a little bit of Nashville flavor. Vinny, you took us to a barbecue restaurant. I forget the name already, but uh, I think Edley's Edley's, Edley's. it was called. I don't know if that's a local staple or not, but we're staying in an Airbnb in a neighborhood that kind of reminds me of Wicker Park or Bucktown. And uh, it's a cool spot. It's kind of it was a cool spot. What was your review of the barbecue there? I had the smoked wings, so I enjoyed my eight smoked wings with the white barbecue sauce, mainly because on uh, the show uh, Master of None, they did the same white barbecue sauce when they had the Nashville date. So, yeah, I enjoyed it thoroughly. The fries were mid. The macaroni cheese was not that great. But the cornbread, I got a big piece of cornbread, Casey. It was delicious, too. Mm-hmm. Casey got skimped on the cornbread and hasn't stopped talking about and it. And then I had the boozy shake too. Oh, oh, the boozy shake looked good. Mm, delicious. That's what uh, made the whole night the chicken wings and the boozy shake. But otherwise, no, not that great. Vinny? It's Nashville, so you got to kick the spice up. We're, I've got to get a hot chicken sandwich before we leave town probably tomorrow. But uh, so I went with a hot pulled pork. And so that was a little spicy as well, which I enjoyed. I liked that mm-hmm. it was spicy. I had some uh, some beans on the side, which were hot and spicy as well. So uh, I like spicy food. So I was glad to, to turn up the heat on uh, Nashville barbecue. So I went with the catfish. I feel like we're in Tennessee. Catfish might be not a bad, bad option. I do like catfish. I wasn't feeling really any meat. So I don't know if I can quite, you know, adequately judge a barbecue spot if I got the catfish. I enjoyed the catfish. Mac and cheese, not so great. I didn't like the cornbread. And uh, the grits were good, so we'll go from there. Vinny did take me to a uh, dive bar that was the most Vinny Duber dive bar of Vinny Duber dive bars there is, called Dino's Ice Cold Beer or something. Something, something along those lines. It was Just that Dino's that place fine. was cool. He, uh, Vinny, bought me a couple of little pony bottles of uh, Miller High Life. We had those. We there was some Dolly Parton art on the walls, so it was great. It was the best part of. Best part of last night for sure. Yeah, that spot's great. I would highly recommend to all Nashvillians that want to check that out. And then we had to leave because Luke left his bag in our car. Yeah, which I was telling him today, probably for the best. That might, we we might have we might have to leave the car at uh, at Dino's had we not had to drive it that's back. Prob- right that's there. probably true. All <laughs> right, let's get into what the White Sox uh, had, did today. Josh Barfield uh, basically came out and talked to the media. We've got a clip. Stephen, our producer, has it queued up. And uh, we'll just go from there. 
more things getting done, but that because there's so much interest in Cease that uh, teams are really trying to weigh that first move before they, they jump on something else. So uh, with that in mind, do uh, you guys feel the sense that you know a lot of teams are hesitant right now? Yeah, I, yeah, I think we're we're in a position of leverage right now, right? Because I don't think we have to trade Cease. You know, I think we can two years of control, and he's a really, really good pitcher. Like he definitely helps us um, next year. Or so, but at the same time, we got to be smart. We got to listen on everything. And uh, but yeah, I don't think we are affected as much as far as like whether guys signing and people are going to have interest in Cease. You know, so if we we make a move, if we don't, I think uh, you know we're just going to be patient and wait for the right one. Vinny? Yeah, I mean, listen, we, we talked about it a lot yesterday, kind of the fact that they are not showing a lot of urgency, that they're in no rush, that they might be held up by the fact that everything else is held up here around Major League Baseball right now. Um, it, it does make sense, you know, from, from their standpoint. They are not under operating under sort of any sort of rules that they have to trade away one of their best players, right? Um, they can hang on to this guy. He can not only help them win in the short term, but a trade tri- could come few uh you know months from now if, if need be a few months into the season or this time next offseason if they don't get that right deal i think they will end up getting that right deal but it's just right now everybody's kind of looking around at everybody waiting to make the first move it seems like and whether that's shohei otani coming off the market whether that's yamamoto and blake snell coming off the market to kind of kickstart that starting pitching run or whether it's tyler glass now getting traded away from the rays maybe shane bieber away from the guardians yeah it, or Dylan Cease away from the White Sox, that it kind of seems like everybody's kind of staring at each other, waiting for something to happen. Certainly, you would think that a market would be more defined once several moves or even one move has been made. So if there is a team that wants Yamamoto or Snell, doesn't get them, all of a sudden, hey, the White Sox have Dylan Cease. Why don't you come running over here? And and how much of them really nice prospects are you going to send our way? So we'll see if that's the way it plays out. But certainly, whether it were the reports that we heard before these meetings even started or what we've heard from Chris Getz and Josh Barfield in the two days that these meetings have been going on, it sure seems like there is no rush for the White Sox to hit the button on a Dylan Cease trade. So, Herb, we, we asked in the title, should the White Sox have more urgency to kind of do a Dylan C's trade. Do you see any need for the White Sox to do that? No. And as he spoke, Josh Barfield in the clip is like, they're in the driver's seat. They have the leverage over all the rest of the team. So there should be no urgency. The season doesn't start really until the end of March. You have up until then and past then to do anything you want with Dylan C's. As Vinny said, two years of control and you want him on your team. Like, this is not a thing where mm-hmm. you're trying to trade Dylan Cease because he's not good or you're trying to trade Dylan Cease because of other reasons. You can li- use D- Dylan Cease on your Major League Baseball club, and if the other teams are not coming and paying the price that you asked for, and that's the key, the White Sox asked for. This is not a ne- necessary negotiation. Mm-hmm. It is you're calling the White Sox. The White Sox are not probably actively calling these teams they're coming to people are coming to the white Sox, and then those people have to come correct with the white Sox offer that's why they have the leverage that's why they're in the driver's seat and i'm glad that they're showing restraint it's a uh, very not surprising but these guys are like i said before first year in both of their positions in josh barfield and chris gets and they're just holding their cards and playing with a poker hand and a poker face that is strong and steady. But to me, the White Sox right now are in a position where they do have a scarce resource. And the longer you wait, 
the more scarce it's going to get once mm-hmm. other other things start start moving. So to me, it's it's kind of a no brainer. Um, at the end of the day, I still think at some point you do have to cash in on Dylan Dylan Cease to help rebuild that farm system and get, uh, you know, they're not going to be competing this year or or maybe even next, right? So uh, unless you think you're signing Dylan Cease to a long term extension, which you are not, you know, with him being a uh, a Scott Boris client. At some point, it's going to have to to be done. But right now, it's just it's not something that's necessary. Go ahead. It's not necessary right now, but I do think like today, right now. But I do think that you know your point is very valid in saying his value is only going to diminish in a trade once the season begins, or Mm -hmm. or or a little bit into the season, because then the clock has started on those two years. Suddenly, it's not two years; it's one and a half, and suddenly, then it's only one. You know, so like those, in terms of a package that they can get back for him, the highest it's going to be is before you have two full seasons. When you have two full seasons, you do it in July. All it's a season and a half, right? and 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 you know, Josh Barfield says. Oh, we're not really being affected by other guys signing. Teams are going to want yeah. Dylan Cease regardless. Well, yeah, that's true. But which teams, you know, and and which teams are going to be like, well, we are starving for Dylan Cease right, right now, so right. we're going to go ahead and go out and get him. But once that team signs Blake Snell, all of a sudden, no, well, you know, we'll give you this for Blake Snell. We don't need we don't need Dylan Cease that bad anymore. Yeah. Another team might, but right now there are teams right out there that are starving for starting pitching, and if he's the best one on the market you know, take the highest value where you can get it, I suppose. But that's just another argument to be made. The White Sox aren't looking at it that way. The White Sox also could be looking at the market for Tyler Glass now, where you have a one-year guy for $25 million and see where that's going and maybe hold on to Dylan Cease for the other year. And so next year you come back to uh, winter meetings and you say, I saw what Tyler Glass now got. That was one year for $25 million. Our guy is going to be one year for 12 14 15 million dollars so cheaper younger less expensive he's gonna be probably uh, um, get the same or higher deal than what tyler glass now and the rays get for him in this offseason so there is no urgency to deal him in this offseason i you know bob nightingale said a 90 percent chance of him guilt going and you can take that with a grain of salt but with bob and the white Sox, his information is pretty solid but they don't have to trade him and they can look at all their pitchers around the league who are getting deals and say, we want that type of deal. Even if it's only one year left on Dylan Cease's uh, contract, because Tyler glass now got that. And the Rays got that for Tyler glass. Now we can go and do that the same way that they did it this year. Jared says they should be looking at the Orioles asking what they are willing to do for Dylan and Luis together. Listen for Dylan and Luis together. No, no. I want uh, probably at least one of their entire uh, minor league organizations, double A or triple A. Take your pick. And also want the cartoon bird on the hat. Oh, that's a good one. And maybe some booze barbecue. And so if you if it's the cartoon bird, you have to ch- you have to change the, the outfit then. Right. You need to have like show its feet so it can be wearing white socks. Is that the idea? Or the white socks just become the Chicago Orioles in this trade. Is that the idea? Is those, I think those, I those think that's the thing. I mean, you know, Southpaw is fine, but uh, I'd much rather have the cartoon bird. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing, uh, you know, we heard from Chris Getz yesterday that trading Luis Robert Jr. is very unlikely to happen, probably not going to be happening at all. Uh, but 
we talk about, you know, an urgency about a Dylan Cease trade. doesn't seem like there's really any urgency across the board, right? I mean, obviously, Dylan Cease was the guy that we were focused on coming into these meetings. Oh, is he going to be traded? Is he not going to be traded this week or what's going to happen? The White Sox have a lot of other stuff that they need to get done before <laughs> right. before spring training, or I should maybe say before opening day. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they are looking for guys and and judging by the moves that they've made already, maybe guys who aren't in the highest of demand, you know, a, a, a Paul DeYoung, uh, you know, some of the guys that got in that trade with the Braves, that they might be precluded from jumping out and filling some of those other holes because people are waiting for Shohei Otani. Like, I mean, it, it is kind of insane, the grip that is surrounding the entire sport right now. It just doesn't make, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, We were talking about on, on the CHGO podcast. Yeah, it's, it's fine. There's five or six teams in on Shohei Otani and that's going to affect, you know, a certain amount of the upper echelon free agents, you know, Cody Bellinger and and players of those type. But uh, you know, it's, it's not, uh, um, it, it like down market. It doesn't seem like it, it, it should be affecting things all that much. So, guys, we have some breaking news going on. Here. Bit. What do we got? Jeff Passon saying Eric Fetty and the Chicago White Sox are in agreement on a two-year, fifteen million dollar contract. So there you go. It's a report at the moment, but uh, this was reported earlier today that there was that uh, the White Sox were one of two finalists. I believe that was Mark Feinsand uh, from from MLB.com reporting that one. This is Jeff Passon over at ESPN saying that uh, the White Sox are the finalist and that they, a deal is uh, happening. So we uh, we had planned some Eric Fetty talk for later in the show. Do we want to rush that now, or you just want to get that ad break out of the I, way? And I, bring I, on the B block. Yeah, I was going to say that was our <laughs> B block, and we didn't know that was going to be happening. But let's go. But let's uh, yeah. First, we want to mention Goose Island because Goose Island. Island is uh, CHGO's official beer. It has been Chicago's beer since 1988, and we all know about their wonderful beer roster, uh, the Beer Hug family, the 312 Wheat Ale, the Full Pocket Pills, the Bourbon County Stout, which is out there in uh, supermarkets and finer liquor stores everywhere in a number of varieties. Definitely recommend those for the holidays ahead when you uh, get in front of the fire, your Christmas tree. That's a nice full-bodied uh very boozy concoction that'll leave you feeling good, Vinny. Little, little packs a little bit more punch than those uh, highlights. Than those highlights from ponies. last night. Yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, Goose Island, like we said, it's Chicago's beer. It's CHO's beer. We love the events and the tailgates and the lifestyle that we live with them. So make sure you support them, and you can grab your ultra fresh brewery exclusive beers at Goose Island, the original brew house on Clybourne Avenue. Uh, those days are numbered, believe it or not. That one's closing down. I'm not exactly sure the exact date, but uh, you, you don't have a lot of time to get over there. You can always go over to their tap room at Fulton Street in Westtown, a great spot to go before Blackhawks, Bulls, or, or concerts at the United Center. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. Midtown Athletic Club has four Chicagoland locations, Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the north shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and Midtown Athletic Club in Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. Palatine has launched a multi-million dollar transformation club, which will be completed in early 2024. Listeners can lock in favorable rates if they join before the end of the year. And at Midtown Athletic Club, there's something for everyone, single people, families with kids, people looking to make lifestyle changes, and holistic wellness people. One of the people who have gone to Midtown Chicago has said that it is the nicest fit club that they've ever been to and in calling a fitness club is underselling it because they have super luxe locker rooms wet and dry saunas premium amenities amazing outdoor and indoor pools and hot tubs a collection of boutique fitness studios with more than 100 classes per week 
included in your membership. And again, this isn't gym quality. The spaces are boutique quality. They have the arena for high-intensity interval training. I think Kevin might have been in that on last Wednesday. Samadhi, if you want to do yoga, hot yoga, like Kevin found out, really tough. Everybody fights is their boxing arena that you can go in and get get the gloves going and uh, punch some people, like Greg uh, Braggs was trying to do to Carm, of course. Spin cycling room when ride. Of course, I went to the group exercise because that's how I get down. That's the theater. And, of course, there's the field where you guys also did some on-the-field training with a personal trainer to get some cross-training done. Mm -hmm. But they are known for their best tennis courts and programming in the sport. Midtown has indoor, outdoor tennis courts, pickleball, and paddle tennis. USTA professional quality all the way. What you want to do right now is head over to midtown.com slash CHGO. Find out more and tour the Midtown Athletic Club nearest you. All right. Eric Fetty on his way to Chicago. Reported from Korea. Reportedly. Jeff Passan, ESPN.com. I ran into Jeff last night uh, outside. He didn't mention anything about this. So I, I, I also didn't ask him about it. Yeah. So. Um, uh, everyone's asking about Shohei Otani. Not a lot of but now uh, Eric, Eric Fetty conversation now until right now. Eric Fetty, by sheer necessity, as they talk of, of the, the MLB winter meetings, two years, $10 million. Uh, initial 15. 15. Yeah. They up the ante. Mm-hmm. Last, yeah, the, the report last night was two years, 10, and it seems like the White Sox kicked in five more million. Okay, so uh, initial reactions. Well, uh, the White Sox need starting pitching, and I actually just asked Chris Getz not, you know, two hours ago, what is going to be the strategy with the, with the starting rotation? Is it going to be like those two guys they got in the Braves trade? Are they just going to go out and get a bunch of reclamation types, you know, low cost, you know, low risk guys, and just throw them all in spring training and see who the, who the top five are? Or is it we're going to try to build a rotation spot by spot? This maybe seems like maybe a little bit of a middle ground. Obviously, this is, you know, reported to be a major league deal and, and one worth a little bit of money. So, I think you can bank on this guy being a part of the opening day rotation. Um, But it is going to be interesting to see what he does because the last time he pitched in the major leagues, 2022, the numbers were not good. The ERA was getting up close to six, Uh, you know, the the year before that, uh, 2021, the ERA was at five and a half. Then he goes over to Korea last year and he's the best player in the league. He wins the (laughs) MVP award with a, 20 win season, a two flat ERA, um, 180, 180 innings. He was awesome for the wonderfully named NC Dinos, which is a great uh, team name over there in Korea. Uh, but I don't think anybody can go into the season knowing how that is going to translate when with upon a return to Major League Baseball. Certainly, he was good enough in Korea to get himself a two year deal. You got to applaud him for you know turning a a uh. I guess I'll use the word again, reclamation type season into a major league, multi-year major league contract. But is that going to pay off in any, uh, you know, meaningful way for a team that, as you mentioned, is not expected to be contending for a division next year and is questionable what they'll be like the year after that. I like the deal. Like if you're looking at a player and you I said this earlier in our uh, CHGO earlier show, you look at the stats on the baseball reference, you're like, ugh. What the hell are the White Sox doing? This guy sucks. Five ERAs up and down his uh his whole roster for the Washington Nationals. Absolutely terrible. Goes over to KBO and wins the equivalent of the Cy Young over there, as you guys read off the numbers. And if you're looking for a comp of a person that has done the same things, look no further than Merrill Kelly, who did four years at the KBO and didn't pitch as well 
as Eric Fetty did in his one year. And so when he came back to the Arizona Diamondbacks, you see the type of pitcher that Merrill Kelly is a top of the rotation type pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, am I expecting Eric Fetty to be that? No, he's not getting paid as such, but this is a good deal for the White Sox. It's a type of a deal that the White Sox should be making because we know they're not going to be shopping at the top of the, the market for starting pitchers. This is a way you can get a player that is shown you or shown uh, the KBO that he can pitch at the top of that level. And it's about double A, triple A level over there, equivalent to the major league. So he's striking out real people and he's doing really well in his job. So I think it's a good thing. And I think he developed a slider slash sweeper over there. So he struck out more people than he usually does here stateside. So he'll be bringing that to the White Sox. And with Brian Bannister doing the pitch shaping and um, working with Ethan Katz, I think this is a great yeah. signing for the White Sox. Awesome job by Chris Getz and uh, Josh Barfield. So, so uh, Chris Getz was actually asked about this potential deal today. He said he would not comment on that. But I'll be interested to see, okay, what uh, did you see from him? Did Brian Bannister have a lot of input in on, on this? And... I, I know he I know he did, mm-hmm. and it didn't even have to be Eric Fetty. It's just the way that Chris Getz has talked and talked even today about Brian Bannister's role, really emphasizing that Brian is playing a role in player acquisition, mm-hmm. in identifying, identifying the kind of pitchers that he can work with and he thinks will be successful for the White Sox and what they're trying to do. So uh, it, it's not something where, you know, it's you're going to need to necessarily go out and find, oh, well, he had a tie here. He had a tie there. That's why they brought this guy in. They brought this guy in being Bannister because yeah. he is good at identifying what he can, he can find in a guy to, to make him successful. Yeah. I mean, we have people on our staff, like Brendan Miller comes to mind. He can actually look at these, these, the, the pitching charts, the movement and, and just kind of know, okay, here's the improvement that this this person made and this is going to translate to, to major league success. And, uh, you know, obviously Brian Bannister is at the top of the field when it, when it comes to that. So, uh, you know, seven and a half million dollars for, for a starter, if this does pay off, I mean, I'm sure seven and a half million dollars, uh, I'm sure Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't like cutting, cutting any checks, uh, let alone, you know, something like that. But, uh, if it does pay off, it will, it will pay off big. What I'm what I'm interested in is how this lines up with what the White Sox are trying to do. Is it is it a play where they think we can get a guy that a year from now, two years from now, is going to be worth way more than that seven and a half million dollars, and that creates a you know a, a potential asset for them, mm-hmm. or do they see themselves being a AL Central contender come 2025? Hey, this is a two-year deal. We got him now, but hey, he's going to be a good part of our rotation the next time that they are contending. And certainly, it goes into some of the stuff that Chris was saying today about defining what this whole prog- pro- project is. Is it yeah. a rebuild? Isn't it a rebuild? Whatever, whatever you want to call it. I guess the point being, I'm interested to know, and it, we might not know this until next, you know, after the 2024 season is concluded. But I'm interested to know how does signing Eric Fetty to a two-year deal right now help them achieve their goal for what they're trying to do. I mean, look at the work that they've done to acquire starting arms as the White Sox needed this. Michael Soroka, uh, Schuster out there. Now you have Eric Fetty. You have, for all intents and purposes, a full starting rotation that pretty much have all have major league um, success or major league um, pitching in their past. Like Schuster last year, same thing with Soroka. And then Fetty a couple of years ago, but playing well this year at the KBO. Maybe don't trade Dylan Cease, as Vinny says. Maybe they're thinking 
this is a major league staff that can compete in the AL Central now, especially if they're getting what Fetty did last year with the Dinos. I don't expect them to have a two ERA, but if it's somewhere in the mid threes, I'm thinking the White Sox are going to be very thrilled with Fetty and what the rest of the starting staff is going to do. Oh, definitely be interesting to watch. And do you think you think this is their big prize at at, at the winter meetings? I mean, certainly, if we're talking about the pace at which uh, uh, moves have been made across baseball in the in the last <laughs> two days, uh, then this is might be the prize of the winter meetings. But um, <laughs> listen, I, I think uh. I think Chris Getz and and Josh Barfield both uh, outlined today that life will continue after tomorrow after everybody goes home tomorrow, and mm-hmm. this is a this is a unique few days on the calendar every year because all the front office folks are here together you know i think the, the way chris described it is you're in your room with your group and right down the hall somebody else like all you got to do is walk a few feet to find a maybe a potential trade partner or somebody to have a conversation with yeah. the way the things are playing out this year that is really not really making that big of a difference but it doesn't mean that the talks that they are having during these two days during these three days won't pay off a week later, won't pay off two weeks later. Um, you know, we've heard in the past, uh, you know, across the game, oh, we had these conversations at the winter meetings and they led to this. We mm-hmm. had these conversations and they led to that. So um, obviously you're going to see that with the majority of teams because here we are in the evening already on uh, on day two and there really haven't been that many moves made at all. And you don't think that Jerry Reinsdorf is thrilled that he beat Steve Cohen to the deal where is reported that the White Sox and the Mets were the <laughs> finalists. I mean, David Stearns, the general manager of, of uh, the Mets now, has been a KBO guy for years. Like, he signed former KBO MVP Eric Timms. Like, he signed the the current White Sox hitting coach back in the day after he won a the MVP. The current White Sox hitting coach is Marcus, Marcus Timms. Sorry, yeah. I'm, 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 Eric I'm, Timms is the guy you're talking about, but they're two different Timmses. I'm confused. I'm, <laughs> I'm mixing my Timms, my rivers up. And he's he's always been in the KBO. So this is a big-time deal for Jerry Reinsdorf. He beat his nemesis and the big-money guy in Steve Cohen, the Mets owner. Well, just so that Jerry Reinsdorf isn't dumb money, which I just saw that movie, which uh, – uh, features Stevie Cohen. It's all, all about the GameStop. Uh, oh, yes. Up, whatever. So, yeah. You never know. AMC, too. Yeah. Hey, it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. And that is something we can all get behind. And for the health of the planet, for the well being of all of us who share it. Yes. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs. As we all move with confidence toward electric tomorrow, whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can bring and help you guide and make the changes that make sense. So, Herb, what should business owners do? Go to ComEd.com clean to learn more about their resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today and switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, and good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? I did. Yeah, go now. And see how electric connects us all to a better way of doing business and a better future for future generations to come. All right. What about Hero Bread? I started eating Hero Bread, Kevin, because I have type 2 diabetes, and I don't want to give up my favorite food. Breads, quesadillas, wraps, all that good stuff. And Hero Bread has been great for me, and it will be great for you 
when you do try it. If you need a low-carb option to fit your lifestyle or dietary constraints, check this out, Kevin. The founder of Hero Bread, Cole Glass, he baked 100 muffins per day. 100? 100. Before- what do you do with the stumps? <laughs> You think I'm not paying attention over here because I'm tweeting about Eric Fetty, but I, was, I, I don't miss my cue, Herb. You know, you told, I was wondering if you did, got me. And so he cooked those 100 muffins per day before he found the perfect blend that fits into his allergy constraints. That's what pushed him to start Hero Bread. And I know when I mentioned that Hero Bread has zero net carbs and 80 calories and 15 grams of protein, and that's at least for their flour tortillas, some of you guys are turned off and you're thinking, Ugh, the taste must be gross. But like I'm here to tell you, it tastes just like your favorite flour tortilla, and it will be your favorite flour tortilla after you try it. Right now, you get a, tis- a discount code on your first purchase. When you put in CHGO, you get 10% off at Hero.co. Hero makes sliced breads, buns, and tortillas. They're all available at Hero.co and at Amazon. As I said before, they have fewer calories than the national leading brand, 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. But what you do right now is go to Hero Bread, and they're offering 10% off your first order. Type in the code CHGO. You get that 10% off. Just go to Hero.co and use our code CHGO to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. All right. So as we go forward into this offseason, no matter how long it takes, the White Sox still have holes to fill. And today... Vinny, on an article on allchgo.com, you addressed the catcher situation and kind of thought you had some uh, possibilities where the White Sox could go and how they could do this. You also listed some names. So take us through that. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think when we've asked Rick in years past, when we've asked Rick Hahn similar questions about, oh, this position looks like a position of need. What would you do? And and his response was always, well, we have a lot of internal options and we're happy with that if that's what we get. But hey, maybe there's a better option out there too. Chris Getz kind of did it a little differently in which he did kind of run through the things that they want to accomplish this offseason, you know, or over the course of time, what the holes are on this roster, right? And he did say they want to improve at catcher. Certainly right now you look at it, they've got reason to believe that the future will be bright. Edgar Caro was acquired um, in a deadline trade with the Angels, but he's 20 years old. He, mm-hmm. he's, he might be a, a little ways away from the major leagues, even though he is already at the double-A level. Um, Corey Lee is a guy that got in another deadline trade with the Astros. He played in the month of September last year. Not a big sample size, but the bat wasn't very impressive. That said, both Getz, Pedro Grifol, very impressed with how he handled the pitching staff and worked behind the plate. So the idea that they want to improve defensively there Lee might be able to at least move them in the right direction with that. But defense is the way that I think that you have to kind of look really any anytime you're considering talking about the White Sox making a move for a position player this offseason. And so I think defense first is going to be the name of the game. We don't really know whether they're going to go out and look for a catcher who would maybe push Corey Lee back and say, hey, Corey Lee, be the backup, learn from a veteran-type guy. I think a veteran-type guy is what they're going to do regardless, you know, just to have that experience and that mentorship for Lee. But, or are they going to say, Lee, you get the bulk of the starts, but we're going to have this guy back here, and he's a little bit more certainty, and so he can be the backup. We don't know how they're going to go about this yet. Um, Obviously, you could make a trade for somebody that fits that description, but I think if you look toward the free agent market, at least, you know, the guys that you know are available. There are some veteran names that you can maybe think about as being possibilities. Uh, guys that, you know, Sean or Herb, you and Sean and I have brought up before, but Austin Hedges, Victor Caratini, maybe a Tucker Barnhart who was a Cub last year, uh, Eric Haas, who 
you know, tormented the White Sox with the bat uh, the last few years playing in the AL Central. And a guy in Martin Maldonado, who I think we've had multiple reports now that the White Sox are interested mm-hmm. in, in bringing Maldonado aboard. Um, Maldonado jumps off that list to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the guy hit under 200 last year, I think, but he jumps off that list to me as a guy who makes a lot of sense for the White Sox just because very successful playing with the Houston Astros, a championship level of success there. Um, Corey Lee has talked about learning already learning from, from Martin Maldonado, treating him as a bit of a mentor when they were both in Houston. And then uh, Maldonado spent a, a, a brief time, in Kansas City, when Pedro Grafol was a coach there, obviously Pedro um, has a history of being very catcher-focused as well. So that's what jumps out at me. Um, do not expect it to be a, a bat-first guy. Um, multiple of these guys have like below 200 right, right. batting averages, but they do one thing that the White Sox would like really, really to have on their on their roster, and that's play really good defense behind the plate and work with the pitching staff. So my, my friend Tim Brown just wrote a book uh, this year called The Tower of the Backup Catcher, and it's a really good book. Um, and it, it's so much about, uh, you know, what those guys bring to teams, right? And it's a lot of it is the, the intangibles, the life experience, just the general sense of playing a role on a team, executing, elevating others' play. Pedro Grafal and Chris Getz are really serious about this. Okay, we, we want to get back to the fundamentals, right? They kind of need one of these guys, and they kind of need the right guy. So which one of those guys is going to be? And then also just going forward, uh, it's clear that they're building up the middle and and maybe they have those guys uh, to do it in, in, in the future with, you know, Carol and Lee, but they need to get to that point. So hopefully they are able to identify somebody and start instilling that, uh, you know, going forward. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's a good I think that's a big part of it. I mean, when, when Corey Lee showed up after that trade with the Astros, not even when he showed up, when he, he was talking to us on Zoom after they got him, right? He he jumped out and said, talked about how much Martin Maldonado meant to him in terms mm-hmm. of uh, that. We saw comments from uh, uh, Carlos Correa on the, on the Twins during the playoffs mm-hmm. when the Astros uh, knocked the Twins out of the playoffs this year, asking, hey, why was it that the, the Astros pitching staff was able to, to have your number? And obviously remember Carlos Correa long time Astro before he, before he went to Minnesota and he brought up Martin Maldonado. He knows how to, he knew how to game plan. He, he, he was able to walk them through everything to have that sort of presence. I think is exactly right. What you're talking about. That's exactly what Pedro yeah. Rafael and, and, and Chris gets. Wow. Now that's a guy who's obviously won a lot. Uh, if, if we're here talking about those type of attributes, certainly the baseball world knows that he has them. He might be desired by someone else and, and that's possible, sure. but, the idea of a guy who is reliable back there, the Lee and Caro are still developing. And and I think that, you know, whether they come out and set the world on fire or not, you want a guy that, you know, is going to be able to run a, a pitching staff and run a game the way that you want it run. And, and I think a lot of these guys kind of fall into those categories. Yeah. And I think that, as you said, they spoke about chemistry yesterday, and at least Pedro did in his uh, press conference. And I think, you need to have a lieutenant that understands what you do as a manager. He didn't have a lot of those people. I mean, Andrew Benintendi is a mostly quiet guy. He understood what Pedro wanted, but there's a bunch of people in that locker room, as he said, like pretty much no leaders in that locker room last year. So having a catcher like Martin Maldonado, if they try to go and get him, is a for, is a good forward step for Pedro's battle standard. He can have a person that says, I've seen Pedro in, in work. He's helped me catch, and I've 
been to the mountaintop of winning World Series with the Astros. I know what it takes, and you guys will follow me. And with this pitching staff coming uh, together, it's good to have a veteran, solid receiver back there that pitchers can trust because I believe this, and I don't know for certain, that there were times where people didn't want to throw pitches because they didn't believe that they had enough faith in Yasmani Grandal to block that, even though he was, I think, a, a all right blocking catcher last year. And the same thing with other catchers the White Sox had. So having a veteran catcher who is defense first in Martin Maldonado of that type of catcher, I think will go a long way for the White Sox in defending and having defense as the number one thing that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And then you can have the offensive players at every other position. You can sacrifice a couple of the uh, points on the average if you have Martin Maldonado because the the defense and the leadership speaks volumes and it, it gives you value more than you get from a person that's just bringing bat. You saw Tony La Russa today. I did. Did he have anything to say about this position? I didn't. He did, I didn't talk to him. He was just like he <laughs> was like walking past me, just going to get some lunch at the uh, Cascade restaurant. Looks great, by the way. That's good. Didn't dye his hair. It's nice and gray. That's what you should go. Grage or age gracefully. Just let that ink go. And he looks like he's gained a little weight from the last time we saw him at a major league ballpark where maybe it was a bad angle, but looks like the the same weight he was when a White Sox manager looks really healthy and good. It's good to see the man out there. As I said before, I don't wish the man ill will. I just didn't want him to be the White Sox manager. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow. The Rule 5 draft is on tap. Uh, the White Sox have made moves to to clear space on that 40-man roster. Do you see them being active tomorrow? Probably. Um, we'll, we'll see. I, I think, let's put it this way, whether you – um, plan on making moves or not, I don't think you can come to the winter meetings with a certainty that you're going to need a roster spot unless you are hoping to add somebody in the Rule 5 draft. And yeah. so uh, I think that that's the reason that that roster spot was cleared. We do not know when the reported signing of Eric Fetty would become official. He would obviously take a spot on that 40-man roster and require another move if they wanted to add someone in the Rule 5 draft, if that happens before then. Right. Um, we see the reports saying that it is pending a physical, so it's possible that that will take a little bit of time to get done this might not be announced right away tomorrow right before the rule five draft happens they might take somebody dedicate the roster spot to him and deal with the fallout the fetty fallout uh in the in the days that come so uh gotcha. we'll see how that happens but yeah i would expect that when we do our show tomorrow we will be talking about another addition to the white Sox. Gotcha. Uh, via the rule five draft by the way we didn't talk about another point of news today the mlb draft lottery was actually held right behind these doors now had it been the nba nfl or nhl draft lottery we had all been on pins and needles waiting for something that wasn't the case like we just kind of waited for, for it to, to happen the white Sox had the fourth worst record uh which meant they had the fourth best odds but they actually fell a spot and pulled number five yeah and uh, it turns out that a team that wasn't eligible to be in the top six picks. It, was, it wasn't eligible to be in the top 10 picks. The Washington Nationals actually won the draft lottery. But so since they weren't eligible, that eventually went to the Cleveland Guardians. But yes, the White Sox got a top five pick for next year's draft. Most industry insiders say that 2024's draft, not chalk full of a lot of great players, no like world right. beaters. You know, MLB draft, as Vinny said, is not, it's a crapshoot. But the 2025 draft is supposed to be chock full of those type of players, including at the top of there with Ethan Holiday, who is the son of Matt Holiday and the brother of Jackson Holiday, who is the number one prospect right now in Major League Baseball. 
So the White Sox won't be in the draft lottery no matter what next year. They can only pick, I think, their highest position they could pick next year is 10th or 2025. The highest position they can pick is 10th yeah. because of rules that MLB made up. But I think which the, sucks the, because you you drop a spot, which you, you know, and then now, I don't know. It's, the I thing, don't love it. The thing that I think is funny, though, and, and you know, my apologies to all the MLB draft Knicks out there, but the, I think the thing is funny is that that was it you asking me today, like you know, hey, the M- the MLB drafts lotteries today, the White Sox have a decent chance of number one, and and your question to me was, is there a Bryce Harper? Right. And it's like, how long ago do you have to go back to the time when there was a Bryce, Bryce Harper? Was that 2010? Right. Yeah. That's Steven that's Strasburg. 15 years yeah. ago. So my point being that like. The MLB draft never, hardly ever, oh, yeah, has right. a guy like that, and so you know it's it's not a it's not a knock on all those guys who were taken with the number one pick. But let's be honest, you got just as good a chance of hitting at, at with yeah, the, but the next I mean, cornerstone of your franchise at five as you do at one. I I, I get that, <laughs> but but at the same time too, like these the White Sox weren't tanking like these, these rules actually are there to prevent tanking. Correct. Well, they, they did make a run at this. It failed miserably. Right. It's not like they didn't spend zero money. Right. So, but they're, there's, they're being penalized for being a big, big league market. So you lose a spot and, and you know, yeah, yes, you could find that guy at number five. You can find that guy at number 10, but at the, at you can find time, that guy in the 10th round. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Or the 38th round, like Mark Burley. Yeah. No, <laughs> honestly, and I and I just think like, no, it's funny yeah. to give you a peek behind the curtain, folks. Me and Herb were talking about this before the show starts, and he's like, "Oh, well, we, you know, he's been reading the rules all day, so he was locked in on the MLB yeah. draft lottery." And he goes, "Oh, well, we got to make sure we get the lottery news in there." I go, "Do we have to mention it? Is it that <laughs> well, big right, of a right. deal?" Like, and then and again, that might be my bias coming through, but I do. It's just the way that I think it, because you brought it up, right, right, right. The, the way you think of it compared to the drafts and the other sports. But and, what's, what's funny is like, so we launched CHGO in March of 2022. And to this date, like two of my fondest memories are one, the Bears securing the top pick. We had the video going on in the studio when the uh, Texans beat the Colts to do that. And Corey Wooten's going nuts and Braggs is humping the bear and we put it up and it gets, you know, 30, 40,000 views. And then, I mean, to me, the probably the best moment in CHGO history to this point is CHGO Blackhawks watching the draft lottery live. Mario's going nuts. Greg is going nuts. Zawaski's losing his mind. Lawrence is running around. Had the White Sox somehow snuck into number one or even the Cubs were in the lottery, right? Yep. I would have had the video on Herb or Cody or Luke, and it probably just would have been right. Oh, that's okay, baseball. That's baseball. <laughs> As my guy Ian Estridge, who's a Daily White Sox, says, they got the second to worst pick they could have got. The sixth pick would have been the worst pick they got, but the fifth pick uh, precludes them from being in next year's draft lottery. But to to support your point, Vinny, about number one overall picks, there's only been three Hall of Famers that have been number one overall picks. One, of course, the White Sox, Harold Baines. Another one is Chipper Jones. And the other one is, of course, Ken Griffey Jr. So it's not a lot. It's a crapshoot, as you said. And, and yeah. until recently, until, what, Ken Griffey Jr. got in and Harold Baines got in, it was zero. Sometimes you get David Need. Was Need overall? Well, I'm going to need an explanation about who that, that is. That went right over my head. Or was, da- was David Need the, the first pick in the expansion draft? I can't remember. I don't know. Brian Taylor? That do anything for I him? do Yankees. I don't know who yeah, that is. Brian big, Taylor, big so bust. He was like, that was the last time the Yankees had the number one pick. Yeah. Big bonus, but uh, bonus baby Brian yeah. Taylor, and then he did nothing because his parents spelled his name with the an E. And Brian, 
All right, that should do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast here at the Winter Meetings in Nashville. We appreciate you watching. On your way out, make sure you smash that like button. We'll be back tomorrow. I think uh, I think the time is a little up in the air. I think it might be a little earlier, uh, depending on it. So stay tuned. Locked on to CHGO underscore sports on Twitter. CHGO underscore White Sox on Twitter. Um, for Vinny Duber, for Herb Lawrence, for our producer, Stephen Nicholas, I'm Kevin Kadek. We'll see you tomorrow. We all silly like the mayor.